How you doing? Can I stick this under there? Everyone good? Um, now the way we roll. Can I can I just be upfront and honest? I was uh, Mikey. Keep playing for twenty seconds for me. Mikey's one of my best friends. Been in, we've been in the same church for the longest period of time together. Um, I I I just been praying and just seeking God and just asking the Holy Spirit what, what's about tonight and this afternoon and and I've got a message that I really want to share and it's something that I've been preaching a little bit lately because I believe it's a prophetic it's a prophetic statement but I I, I just got to be really completely honest with you I was about 20 I don't know 21 22 and I spent my whole life savings um, and I traveled to Mexico Brazil and New York and I spent twenty two thousand dollars on cocaine and I nearly had an overdose and I nearly died several times. And through a series of intervention, my family got me back to Australia and helped me to get myself back on track. From that point on, I just kind of vowed that I wouldn't, um, I'd give my heart back to God. And I gave my heart back to God. But I always remember that every time I, I come to preach or do anything that I do, um, and the guys that, that you saw worship leading will vouch for this. Now, I, I'm, I'm 100% passionate about what I believe. And I believe that there is power of life and death in your tongue. That's what the book of James says, right? So let me encourage you tonight. I'm going to share some stuff, and I think, I think it's a good word. I really do. I really believe it's a good word. But I'm going to be honest. I don't need your encouragement, okay? I don't need you to be like, let's do this and get, get pumped up for me. I don't need that. I'm, I'm, I'm secure enough in myself, okay? I'm happy enough in my own skin. It's okay. But what I do believe is that there's power of life and death in the tongue, which means you need to say it. Because what you release out of your mouth is actual life. It's not about getting something pipe, pumped up and get hype. It's not about that. It's about declaring prophetically, come on, there's life in this. Amen. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. Preach it. That's good. Why? Because it brings life out of you. And if you're in a sort of sense of where there's a stagnant or a dryness or you want more and you're trying to reach out and get a little bit more vibrant and life, speak life. That's actually the key. This isn't pop psychology. This is actual scriptural truth. Speak life and watch things shift around. I'm a big believer in shifting atmosphere and shifting the dynamics of what you do by the way you speak. And I'm really deliberate on what I say and I'm really, I'm really thought out on what I say now. Ever since I gave my heart back to the Lord, I really believe in the things that I say, I've got to be really careful in what I say. Why? Because I'll speak life into it or I'll speak death into it. So much so that Jesus could curse a fig tree and the thing died. So much so that Jesus said, if you want to be well, rise up and walk. And it worked. He did it. Why? He spoke life. So what you say tonight is not for my pump up or gratification or edification, anything like that. It's for you to speak life and to speak it out and watch what happens in your spirit and in your soul. Right? Is that okay? So let's pray and I'm just going to get straight into it and let's do this. God, I praise you. I thank you. I honor you. I love you. Jesus, you are worthy. You're amazing. Jesus, you're worth everything. Jesus, your sacrifice was amazing. Thank you that you died for us, but you rose for us. You give everything for us. So tonight, Lord, we worship you and we give everything we have in our heart and soul to you. Lord, I pray for a release in an apostolic and a prophetic moment right now. I pray that you would start to release prophetic visions, words and destiny over people's lives and awaken things that are quiet and dormant and dead and laid to rest in people's lives where there's a dry bone, let it come back to life in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that your presence and your spirit is moving and hovering, waiting for someone to stand in the gap to speak, let there be light. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Right on. Come on. So, turn around to someone and say, you look good. Come on. Come on. Thanks, Mikey. Turn around to someone else and say, you brush your teeth? Come on. I see a few people doing this. A few of you guys going like, yeah, I brush my teeth. Of course I brush my teeth. You brush your teeth? <laughs> right on. Oh, cool, cool. Well, my, uh, I'll give you a quick introduction because I'm not the important part. Jesus is. So I'll just let you, let's get acquainted, all right? And then let's talk about Jesus. That's the more important part. My name is Matt. I am um, pastor's son. Yeah pastor's son. Uh, my mum and dad are Pastor Ray and Pat Galachi. They, uh, they are the pastors of our church, Hope Church. Uh, my dad is my Elijah to an Elisha. And uh, God willing, prayers up. Let's keep our prayers up. I wouldn't say fingers crossed, but prayers up. That, uh, you know, I'm w- walking in daddy's footsteps, all right? Or in my case, walking in Baba's footsteps because I'm Italian. So, yes, I'm short. Get over it. All right? Yes, I'm Italian. Enjoy it. 
right? My mum and dad came over from the motherland, right? This is, and, we, and turned it into a mini, Ita- mini Italy. My background and my hood is Mount Lawley. My uncle owns and aunties all own half of the area when they came in the 40s when it was just horse paddocks. Now it's all like hipster coffee. Yeah. Hipster coffee and cool boutiques. Back then, it was my, mom, my, my grandparents' fruit and vegetable shop, Station Village Fruit and Veg, next door to Foodland. That was a good spot. I learned how to do business there, straight and crooked. So let's just be, come on, I'm going to be honest with you guys tonight. You can act holy, I'm not. Right? Living here. All right. So good news though. Jesus loves everybody. So I shared a minute ago that, uh, yeah, I walked away from the Lord when I was around 20, I don't even know. I'd say between 20 and 22, somewhere there, properly. Like I was, I was being, I was being silly, but then I actually genuinely walked away from the Lord and, uh, and I came back through a series of, uh, again, intervention from my family and from my, my, I've got a big brother. My big brother, his name is Daniel. Uh, he's, a, he's a pillar in my world. He's the actual reason why I came back to the Lord. And funny enough, you want to hear something cool? I'll tell you something cool. Because you didn't ask, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. <laughs> We're going to have fun tonight, all right? We're going to get deep in the Word, but we'll have fun. It doesn't have to be more, but there's, when there's joy, that's where the Spirit of the Lord is. So my point is, uh, Daniel, I was at... I might as well tell you the story really, really quick because I'm really conscious of time. I want to get into the word. Uh, I was in a bathtub, practically anorexic, and I was bleeding out of my right nose, left ear. I, took up, I, took, I snorted so much cocaine at the time, and my brother took a Polaroid of me. And he, uh, I don't know why he took a Polaroid of me, but he came into the bathroom and took a Polaroid of me, and he kind of laughed, and then he left. <laughs> How's that, eh? And I say he's like my best for far out. Lord, help him now. But he... Um, but funny enough, a few minutes later, I heard him on the phone outside of this uh, penthouse that my brother had got in New York. Um, he was out in the balcony and he just had the door open a little bit and I was in the bathtub. My brother is crying on the phone to my mum and dad saying, Ma, Ba, I think we've got to get Matt home. I don't want to scare you, but Matt's been doing stuff that I don't think is very good, very conducive. And I think in the next 48 hours, if the rate, at the rate he's going, he's going to die. And my mum was like, what? And my dad was like... My dad picked up what was going on. So my dad, my dad really knew it was up. Um, so they did. I, I heard that and that really affected me. I thought that was a bit of a wake-up call. My best friend saying, it's game over. So I, um, so I behaved and I got on the plane. My brother f- lied to me. My brother was on a, with an act. He was touring with a particular company playing drums. And he um, lied to me saying, oh, I've got to go back to work. So I uh, bought you an emergency ticket back home. That way you, you don't have to like stay here on your own and stuff. I knew he was lying and I kept it quiet and my brother got me home. I got home and I gave my heart back to the Lord. So really the whole catalyst, the starting point was actually that my brother got me home. So I always attribute that me coming back to the Lord, giving my heart back to God was the roots of that is from my brother. Funny enough, my brother had walked away from the Lord pretty hardcore. Uh, when I gave my heart back to God, he heard about it through my family cousins and stuff and he sent me a Polaroid always hits me every time I tell tell this story he sent me a Polaroid and on the back of the Polaroid he wrote on it it was the Polaroid that he had taken he remembered it he kept it and it was I I looked bad hey and he just wrote on there he said I just want to remind you of who you once were and who you'll never be again I'm proud of you I was like wow thanks man and he wasn't even in a relationship with God at the time but he knew the power of it so journey down the track. My brother had walked away from God himself. And uh, I went over to visit him in London because he was having some medical issues with his hands. And, um, and we had a bit of a heart-to-heart conversation. And funny enough, at that moment, my brother broke down crying and said, I-, I need to get my life back in order. And my brother, who once led me back to the Lord, I sat there and I led him through the sinner's prayer and led him back to the Lord. So we've kind of helped each other in, in pretty crazy ways. So I love him to bits. And God is always fighting for you. God is always on your side. So, so we, we come from Hope Church. This is our family. Welcome and thank you for inviting us and welcoming us, welcoming us into your family. I love uh, Chris and Sam Naffy. They are my Indo brothers from another mother's. We got good food, man. Italians got good food. And my mum my makes some mean pasta and some mean ravioli, right? And some awesome lasagna. But those Naffy boys, man, your mum, she knows what's up. <laughs> she knows what's good, right? Eh? Far out. 
Say no more. Say no more. All right. My message tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly through this because I believe God wants to minister and do some stuff tonight. Are you guys open? Yeah. Are you guys? Hey, I need you guys to be loud with me, please. Help me out. Are you guys all right? Yeah. Are you awake? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Everyone say, Lord, Lord. speak to me. I want to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. amen. All right, my message tonight is what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? There it is. What do you see? I want to ask some questions. What do you see? These are rhetorical, so someone don't yell out and I'm going to ask some political questions. Don't be like, no. And then give me like your thoughts. Just this is rhetorical. Let's just, I preached this once before and some guy gets up and was like, no. <laughs> Liberal. All the way. I was like, mate, just, I'm, not, I'm not here to start a fight, all right? But what do you see when you look at politics? Now I'm going to throw a few things here, but what do you see when you look at politics? What do you see when you see a political leader who ascribes to our faith and a political party? Do you see a Christian party or do you see a Christian leader? Do you see, what do you, how do you envision that? How do you interpret that? What do you see? How do you, how do you, you know, everybody has a different perspective on things. So how do you see it? What do you see? What do you see when maybe a, 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 a what do you see when a rapper who used to call himself God now says that he works for God? Like, how do you see that? What do you see? How do you see when you see someone that says they, they, they used to call themselves a deity, a God, all of a sudden now says, I work under Jesus Christ. Like, how do you, how do you interpret that? Like, what, what do you see? What do you see? Because the reality is the person you're sitting next to, probably on a high chance, may not always see the same way that you see. What do you see? And I think that's a big perspective because when you start to look at the word of God, what do you see is really the question, right? So what do you see when you see financial difficulties? For instance, what happens if you have a $1,000 bill come in and you've got $200 in the bank account? Like, what do you see? Do you see insufficient funds or do you see a God that could feed 5000 What do you see? What do, well, what do you see when, you, when you're looking at, I don't know, what do you see when you maybe have a, when, when you're looking at a storm? the storm of life, maybe when you're going through a bit of a difficulty, you're going through a bit of a trial and you see a storm ahead of you, do you see the storm or do you see the master of the storm? Yeah, wow. what, what, what do you see? Do you see the storm? Do you see that thing you're in in the moment when you're in the boat? Jesus was in a, Matthew 8 is really big on that. When you start seeing the boat and you start seeing things ripple around and you start going, what, what's going on here? Things are a little bit unsettled. How do, we, how do we land this plane? Do you see that or do you see... The God that oversees the creation and the, and, the, and the ecosystem that's living under it. What do you see? How do you interpret that? What do you see? I want to read a scripture with you guys and, and, and pull some points apart. But I want to, I'm going to need your participation. Can I have your participation? I'm a really proactive person. I'm not like a... I'm like a let me put it this way, right? You're not the audience. Okay. You're not the audience, okay? Let me tell you who is. There's an audience of one, okay? So you're not the audience. He's the audience. So let's worship him, okay? Let him be the one that receives our praise. Let him be the one that receives our worship. Let him be the one that receives all glory. So when we say there's no audience here, it's because there's an audience of one and his name is Jesus. Cool? So I want to read a scripture with you. I want to pull it apart a little bit and we're going to go into what we see and how do you see it and how do you interpret that? Cool. I'm keeping my eye out for someone that's got long hair, a male with long hair. I'm doing a skit. And if you are a male with long hair, everyone's pointing at you, photographer. In the next few minutes, my brother, you're going to be Jesus. In Jesus' name. All right. I don't want to put pressure on you because I just called you out in front of everybody. It's all good if you don't want to. I love you. If you're down for the game, let's do it. All right, I'm going to read a great portion of Scripture, which is really famous, and it's been used in a million different ways, contexts, and kind of methods. But I just want to share something with you because I think it's very simple and it's very easy to understand. Here we go. John 15 verses 1 to 8. It's about the vine. Everyone say the vine. Yeah, it's not in Joondalup. It's a Scripture. So here we go. It says this. Jesus is saying, you all thought June love, didn't you? No, now you are. Either way, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. All right, bye-bye. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Again, bye-bye. That it may bear more fruit. Either way, something's going at some point. All right, let's all just, let's just come down to terms with that because sometimes we don't want change, right? But either way, whether you're not in his will or you are in his will, which is what this is saying, something's got to go for something fresh to come. Okay, 
So let's just come to terms with that. Let's understand change is inevitable. Everyone say, change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. I, I accept change. All right, half of you's inside are going, oh, I don't accept change. <laughs> Who is this short Italian guy? Get away from me. <laughs> let's keep reading. Don't be distracted. Come on. That it may be a fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken, because of the word I've already spoken to you. Abide in me. Now let's just focus on, I want you guys to just pay attention to abide. Anytime you hear abide, all right? Abide. Everyone say abide. Abide. Thank you very much. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Getting a theme? All right. Beautiful. I am the vine and you are the branches. I love this because Jesus is saying like a holistic view about this. And now Jesus brings it personal. He says, no, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Everyone say, I'm a branch. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I'm a branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now that's a statement. Without him, you can do nothing. All right. That's just a statement of dependency there. We depend on him. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch is and is withered. And they, they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. All right. So everyone say I'm a disciple. Okay. Now I want to go back to this verse of verse seven and eight. Let's just chill on this for a little bit. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, let's pay attention to the next part. You will ask, in, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, a lot of people take this out of context and they start to pray for anything under the sun. Right? There's a catch to this. Right? You pray you always never stop praying. The Bible says to pray without ceasing, okay? So something about prayer is very important. Prayer is the communication between us and the heavens, okay? But what we see many times determines actually what we ask for. What we see determines what we ask for. If you see financial difficulties, most of the time, you're going to be praying for God to fix your financial financial difficulties. Does that make about sense? That's probably pretty realistic, yeah? That seems palatable. I could eat that. I could do that. I could digest that kind, of, that kind of method and concept in my head. If I'm seeing health issues, what do you think I'm going to start praying for? God, heal me, right? You start praying for the kind of thing that you're seeing. So what you see many times will determine what you actually pray for. Now, I want to talk about something about the, the motive here. The motive the motive many times of what we're praying for is actually coming from a need or a lack of. It comes from either a need or a lack of something. So it's a compensation. Does that make sense? So many times we'll see something, what you're seeing, the way you see, the way you envision it, the way you interpret it, all of a sudden it gets translated into what you're praying for and how you're praying for it and why you're praying for it. Because I need it. Does that make sense? Yeah, right. But I want to just, let's just hang on this abide idea. The, the, the word abide, I love this. The nu- numbers in the Bible are very, very pivotal. Numbers represent everything under the sun in the, in the scriptures. You can add numbers together and they make certain things. Numbers reflect a certain name, time, place, orientation in the scriptures. So when you're looking at numbers in the Bible, that's just not, it's not just a, a number of nothing. It's a number of something. Okay. The number three, representing Father, Son, Holy Spirit, representing three days in the grave. Three, there's, you could pull this apart in any different way, shape or form. But when we pull into the number seven, the number seven equals the number of perfection in the Bible. The number seven reflects what perfection, what wholeness looks like. So when Jesus is saying abide, he's saying it seven times in this, in this particular portion of scripture. Jesus talking about abiding in him means if you abide in him, something perfect is coming from it. His perfect will comes from it. There's an element here. He's sending, there's layers under these scriptures. You know what I mean? I don't know if you understand that, but there's layers. Like you can look at this and be like, abide in me and I abide in you, the branches and the trees. Great. I love gardening. Okay. There's the layer. Okay. Right. Bunning's got all my money. Okay. 
But then you start to pull it apart and you start to realize that Jesus wasn't just talking about abiding in him. Jesus is saying that now stay, stay in me and it will work out okay. Romans 8, 28 has to come to pass. All things work for the good for those who love the Lord, love the Lord according to his purposes and will in Christ Jesus, right? So all of a sudden you're starting to pull it apart. And then we see he's saying it and he's said abide in him. Even times in this portion of scripture, he's saying abide in him, abide, 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 abide in him. I think it's powerful. When you start to look at this and you start to see what Jesus is really saying, there's a few things under the bedding that we don't always pick apart. John 15, 9 and 10 says this, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. So abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So that's saying a very Specific nugget right there. What that is saying here, what Jesus is saying is to abide in him is, to, is, is, is practical, uh, keeping with his commandments, but it's also spiritual and emotional loving in him, actually loving Jesus. You know, over time, I, in the position that I was in when I walked away from the Lord, I knew a lot about the Lord. I knew a lot about the word. I knew a lot about, I knew a lot about Christianity because I grew up in it. My mum and dad took me to every service under the sun. So I'd, I'd grown accustomed to it. You know what I mean? So the shell of things, I knew it. You know how to walk. You know how to talk. You know how to greet. You know, you know the two minute to mingle thing in the middle of the service. You know how to do it. Everything's great. Great, great. How's your week been? Great. You know, you know how to do it because ch- you know how to do church, right? Yeah? You know, you know how to do church. But on the inside, that's a different story. Come on. Come on. It's true. Externally, everything's great. Internally, not so great. Now, I'm not sitting here painting a picture to you guys saying that everything's not great for you guys. I don't know what your circumstance situation is. Maybe it is great. And, I, and, and praise God on the mountaintop. Praise Him. Thank Him for every blessing and every day you have. But at the same time, a little bit realistic, it's not always there. Sometimes you have a bit of a trial. You have a struggle. You have a battle. And it's what you look at, it's what you see that will determine how you pray about it. It's what you see determines your prayer. It's a motive thing now. It turns into the motive. Your motive for prayer is a need. Yeah? My motive a lot of the time of why I pray is actually because I have a need. Now, that's not always the case. My motive is that I just want to thank Him. That's great. But a lot of the time, if I were to, if I were to weigh out every prayer that I ever prayed in my whole entire life and put it on a scale board, I would find that most of my prayers revolve around a need more than just adoring him and thanking him and worshiping him. Yeah. I think that's probably the realistic case of many people in this world. So the word abide actually means in the Oxford dictionary, it means to accept or act in accordance with. So to accept or act in accordance with, which means Let's just replace abide for humor's sake. If you act, right? If you accept or act in accordance with me, my father will give you blessings. If you act in accordance with me, let's rewrite that scripture. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So if you act in accordance with me and my words act in accordance with you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. All of a sudden, things start to change a little bit. Jesus says in the next verse, for without me, you can actually do nothing. Now, I want, to bring in that, I want to bring an illustration to you guys because this is something, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the middle of the night, I woke up and, um, and I applaud any person that can wake up at like those crazy hours in the morning, 4 a.m. because God, God wakes them up and then they got to pray and they pray and they pray. That's cool, man. Me and, the, me and the Lord don't have that relationship. Me and the Lord wait until 10 a.m., okay? And then he wakes me up in the morning early hours of the morning and says, get up and pray. And I'd be like, yes, Lord, after make a coffee, right? You guys got good coffee here, by the way. It's very nice. So I want to, but anyway, the door did wake me up in the middle of the night and I woke up and had this, this picture and it was a revelation to me. I want to do it today. I want to just help us understand that there is, there's usually, this is a way that we look at things in, in the natural right now. So where's my Jesus boy? Do you want to be Jesus for me? Oh, yeah, come on, man. Get up, man. Yeah, come on, welcome him up here. What's your name? 
Luke. Oh, mate, even better. All right, you stand over there. Yeah. All right. It's spelled wrong, though. It's spelled what? It's spelled wrong. My name. Well, how do you spell it? L-U-C. L-U-C? Yeah. Oh, that's okay. I'll pray for you later. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, man. All good. I like that. It's, it's, it's actually kind of cool. Right. And now I need uh, one of our hope boys because he did this last week. The other week, uh, Mr. Paul Kennedy, the, bull, the Burmese bulldog. Come on. Let's give him a hand. Come on, Paul. All right. All right. So in this case, because he's tall, he's buff. He's got a flamingo shirt on. I like your style. You're going to be Jesus today, right? Well, you're going, to be, you're going to represent God the Father, right? Or the Trinity. Let's just go with all of them. All right. Take your pick. I'm going to get on Instagram because I live on Instagram. And I know half of you do as well. Chris Naffy putting up too many flipping over. Sometimes I'm like, next, next. No, I'm not. I'm not. I look at him. I look at him. I look at him. Yeah. It's only when I'm jealous and you're in Norway, you know? So that's all. That's all. See? Because I do look at him, hey? All right. And Mr. Paul Kennedy's going to stand in the middle here. Okay. Now, before we do this, just everybody smile. One, two, and three. Thank you very much. Let's just save that. Cool. I'll post it later so it doesn't look like I'm being religious. All right. Now, Luke, Paul, you hold that. Okay. Now, I want to look at, I'm going to look at you, Luke, L-U-C, through, through, through this phone. Okay. Now, on average, just take a photo. Great. Save it. Exit. Focus. All right, you're onto it. You're onto it. You, you know what's up. This is good. Okay, right. Now, to see you, Luke, right now, I, I can't really see any details of your pants. I can't see any buttons. I, can, I can't even see your shoelaces. Um, I can kind of see like a black frame around your face, but I, I'm assuming they're glasses. It's actually really, really hard to see you, right? That's, that's it's, it's, it's a little bit... It's super restricted. I can't even see many details, to be honest, right? All I can see is like this straight pole next to you, really, because it's like shiny chrome, yeah? Right. Now, this is the way we work. Right now, I'm looking, if I were to analogize it in the analogy's sake, if I'm looking at God, I'm looking many times at God through the lens of my circumstance. And the many times, most of the time of the day, many hours of the day, my lens is right in front of me. So when I'm looking through that phone, that's actually my medium in many cases that I look through to see God. But the only problem is the God that I'm seeing is actually smaller than my phone. Does that make sense? So what I'm looking at right now is a limited access, is a limited perspective and is shaved right down to a few millimeters on a screen. And that's the lens in which we look at in many times. That's the lens. That's the situation right there. Even though I've got three lenses on there and I don't know how to use them. (laughs) Paul can't even zoom in. He's got issues. (laughs) Your finger's got problems, man. (laughs) But this is the case. This is the issue. I look at, I'm looking at God through the lens of what I have in front of me, of the lens of my circumstance. Now let's get rid of that phone. Chuck it anywhere you want. No, 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 no. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Right. If I get rid of my medium, if I get rid of the distraction, if I get rid of, the, of my utility, if I get rid of the circumstance... I can now see every detail of your buttons, your laces, your pants, your shirt, your glasses, the color of your eyes. I can see the way your hair is formed and shaping. I actually can see an intimate view of you. But what I love is this. When I start to draw near to God, what the Holy Spirit does is actually grabs God. And as I draw near to Him, as I abide in Him, all of a sudden God brings Him near to me. And you are intimate. You are close. Yeah, you're going to give me a hug in a second, man. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Pause, man. You're wearing a belt. I didn't even see the belt before. It's brown. Yeah. And it's got like silver. I can see details of you. I can see, what the, I can see the stitching on your pocket now. I can see the stitching on your shirt and the hems and everything. I can see detail of you. Why? Because you just became real to me. And I don't look at you through the, uh, through the lens of my circumstance. I look at you face to face. Oh, come on. Give me some love. Hey, give him a hand. Thanks, Luke. That's a good Jesus right there. That's a good Jesus. Kennedy, thank you for doing that. 
You know what I love is this. I love the fact that the God that we serve is actually first and foremost intent about relationship than anything else. Even take, for instance, the Lord's Prayer, right? Everyone know the Lord's Prayer. God, Jesus has been asked by the disciples, how do we pray? I don't even know how to do this gig, man. And Jesus is like, I'll teach you. Sit, disciples, and watch me. And then Jesus stands there and goes, right, this is how you open it up. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? Let's just pause right there. Our Father relationship. Who art in heaven position. Hallowed be your name. Authority. Our Father relationship first. He's your Father first. Relationship first. Who art in heaven. That's his rank and his position. Authoritative. That's his, he's seated in heavenly places. Hallowed be your name. His name carries authority and power beyond belief. So sometimes we forget the fact that his first and foremost function is to actually abide in us and us in him. But many times we don't see it in that aspect. We see it through the lens of what we have and where we're at and what we're doing. So what we do is literally minimize and shrink a God down, down to a size that becomes smaller than everything else. So I, wanna, I just want to quickly share three principles with you. Now I want some participation, okay? I, I, I need you guys to be active with me in this part. Everyone say, I'll be active. Great. I mean it like you guys are going to be active with me in a second. I want to share three biblical keys that God has been stirring my heart and our church's heart and, and where we're at as a, as a journey on our church. Our church is going, undergoing a, a massive shift around, uh, a big, big shift around at the moment. And under the, on the surface level, it doesn't look like much. Under the table and in the, in the administration in the world that we're really involved with, there's a lot happening for next year. There's a few things that we're, we're changing our church completely in, in 2020. And, um, and this has been something that has been a, a key constant in our church that we've pro- propelled and pushed into for ourselves. But I believe these are three biblical, and I say, that, I say that on purpose. They are three biblical keys because so many times, you know, there's an old phrase. It's a funny phrase. It's, it's humorous, okay? It's not true. But it says this, too much word, you dry up. Too much spirit, you blow up. Word and spirit, you grow up. Balance it together. Sometimes you see people that are just so full of head knowledge and you go, wow, this we have a nap. <laughs> then you see some other people that, you, that they're so full of something else that they just won't even look you in the eye. Like, everything's great, man. Like, did you feel that? I'm like, man, I felt something. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just get the balance together, you know? But put the Word and put the Spirit together. Why? Because the Word is the Word, which means this. Jesus is represented, John 1, 1. He is the Word, but He is also Jesus. The Word, who is Jesus, and the word, who is his, which is the scriptures, are one. It actually says it's sharper than a double-edged sword. But these three keys, the first one is this. First one, which I absolutely love, is worship. Worship. Number one. Everyone say number one. Number one is worship. You know what worship actually stands for? When you, op- when you actually look at it and you open, the script- when you open up the meaning of what worship is. Worship means to bow. Actually means to bow. What that means is, is to lower yourself to bow, to prostrate yourself before, before the king and to adore him. You know what happens when you do worship? Worship changes and shifts and breaks up the bedrock of your heart. Because sometimes we can have a hardened heart. The Bible talks about hardened heart. And sometimes you can have a hardened heart. And what worship does, it actually pulls a veil that's over you, this hardened bedrock. It starts to break at it and starts to chisel at it. I don't know if anyone's ever done any gardening and you've gone over to like a, a dry patch. Whenever you do gardening, I don't know if you've done it, when there's a dry patch and you try to break up the soil, you actually have to get into it and break it and churn it and turn it around. Why? Because what happens is something loses nutrients. It loses any sustenance. It loses anything that makes it actually juicy and actually full of fruit and full of life. So it becomes dry. So when we hit worship, worship breaks the bedrock of our heart up and starts to turn things around. All of a sudden, things where you didn't feel before, you start to feel. And then what happens? A God who's like this and a world who's like this becomes a God who's like this and your world becomes like this. You flip the perspective around. So when you come into a state of worship, all of a sudden a God who is smaller than everything else becomes bigger than everything else. And the circumstance sits under that and becomes smaller than everything else, becomes smaller than a God that you serve the perspective flips. So what I want to do, I actually want to do something right now. I, want to, I need your participation. I want you to have an open heart and an open mind. We're going to play a track for a second here. I want you to stand with me for a second. 
Hey, well, let's play this song. Let's play this track just for a few seconds. I encourage you just to press in and worship and to spend a second listening and actually diving in, participating in prayer and pressing into His presence and worshiping Him. When we start to worship, the bedrock of your heart starts to shift and change. And all of a sudden, everything that was a weight starts to pull off. Come on, let's crank it up. You got up. I encourage you to close your eyes for a second. The word says, for the spirit of heaviness, put on the garment of praise. And that's how we fight our battles. God, I pray that in this moment, in this atmosphere, this is how I, fight my battles. I pray that the way that we would fight our battles was to worship and adore that name that's above every other name. I thank you that as we worship in this moment, I thank you that conventional Christianity and the service format, it doesn't matter anymore. But right now, what matters is you, Jesus. I pray that right now, as we engage into your presence, as we press into the presence of Jesus, I thank you that you come and meet the needs of people where we are at right now. Jesus, name above every other name. Sit at the right place. Sit above the circumstances. Sit above the circumstance and the need and the position. And God, I pray right now that you start to minister to the heart of every male, woman, child right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. Come on, be surrounded by Him. He surrounds the circumstances. He surrounds our lives. If you're on a mountain, thank Him. If you're in a valley, praise Him. Worship. Come on, that name, that name. Come on, put it in the right perspective. Put it in the right perspective. Jesus, we need you so bad right now. God, you're amazing. God, you're amazing. God, you're amazing. Come on, let's crank it up. Let's go, let's worship. Are you worthy, you're worthy. Come on, it may look like, it may look like. It may look like I'm surrounded. Come on, Jesus above it all. Jesus over that circumstance and situation. Wherever you see yourself seated, sit Him above it. Sit Him above it. Come on, this is how. This is how I find my... How we fight it with worship. How you're alive, you're alive, Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we need you, we need you, we need you. Ah, oh, Jesus, 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 you're Jesus alive. You are alive, you are moving right now. Come on, we worship, we worship, we worship. This is how, yeah. Come on, let him surround everything about you right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, be surrounded by the King of all kings. God, I pray that your presence is moving and spreads the light. People are in need in positions right now. People that are in the circumstances, state of God, you're alive. God, you're alive. God, I thank you that in your presence, as we worship, things start to shift around and the atmosphere starts to change in the name of Jesus. Thank you that your presence is alive. Your presence is alive. Your presence is moving. Your spirit is moving. You are alive. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you feel something shifting in your heart? Hey? You feel something changing a little bit in your heart. Why? Because worship changes up and breaks up the bedrock. Listen, we can have conventional Christianity and you sit here for 40 minutes or we can engage and let God do what He got to do. Come on, man. So when you go up a seat for a second. Thanks, guys. Worship breaks up the bedrock of your heart and starts to shift the atmosphere within yourself. You know what I love is that the reflection of where the presence of God was throughout the whole scriptures was always a stable and a, 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 
a permanent place. You look at the tabernacle in the Old Testament, that there was only a one place in that whole tabernacle where the presence of God would dwell. Then it shifts out and David and his son build a new temple and the ark gets shifted into there. But yet the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of God, the power of God is now located only in one ark, in one place. That's a limited perspective. That's actually not what God wants. God's saying, I've got power here that can heal everybody. But right now it's limited to one place, one location, one time. I need to fix this. Jesus now comes onto the perspective, onto the page. And now all of a sudden, Holy Spirit, the verse straight after when Jesus is tempted in the, in the wilderness, says that Jesus, after he'd gone through the temptation of the devil in the wilderness for 40 days, it says that ministering angels came to minister to him. But then after it says, now Jesus leaving filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, what was sitting in a box becomes redundant and places in the Son of God, and it becomes mobile. All of a sudden, that presence, that power has hands and feet, has legs. Now Jesus is on the move. And all of a sudden, what was stuck in a, in a place where only a priest could go once a year, goes into a box that couldn't be moved anywhere, now goes into the Son of God, and now is moving around the place. Now that same power that raises Jesus from the dead is the same assurance that now lives in our hearts. 2 Corinthians says the Holy Spirit being the deposit and assurance and the seal, he set his seal in our heart, which means he put the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our salvation. That's pretty powerful. So my point number two is this, the word. Point number one, worship. Why? Because worship, I'll always start with worship. You know why? Because sometimes you're, sometimes we can be so preoccupied on where we're at that we forget where God's at. Do you hear what I'm saying? You read between the lines? We can be so preoccupied on where we're at because we, we deal with this. It's all natural. I deal with this. I deal with, I deal with this. I deal with this. So I, I can sometimes forget where God's at. And God's always on the move. God is always wanting to do something. He's always wanted to speak. He's always wanted to, he's always wanted to touch hearts. He's always wanted to be active. God is active. He's not passive. He is 100% part. He's a, he, he wants participation and activity. That's why Isaiah says, Lord, send me. Here I am. I'll go. And all of a sudden, God starts to use him like there's no tomorrow. So God is looking for someone that's just willing. And sometimes before we do anything, I step myself in, I put myself into a position of worship and all of a sudden I go, whatever's going on in the world, all the good, all the bad, all the ugly, I just bring it and it just comes from being that big down to this big. And my God goes from this big to that big. My, my mind, my heart, my soul is now focused on him. Worship for me will always be the first point. After that, your, your bedrock of your heart, the soil of your heart. The Bible talks about our hearts being soil so many times. The soil of our heart becomes open, broken, and, and, and freed. So what happens? The Word now comes in. And the Word has a place to sit, has a place to live, has a place to grow. So the Word, Hebrews 4.12, it says this, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. Everyone say alive. alive. Come on, work with me. Alive. alive. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul, the spirit, between the joint and the marrow, that actually means it's a holistic thing. Your spirit, your soul, and even your body, it'll cut between. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word, when it plants, is in our heart from a place of worship where everything, the cage of our heart starts to open. The Word comes in and lands on good soil. Point number three is the Holy Spirit. I think this is one of the most important parts that people sometimes forget about. Mikey, you can hop up if you want. I'm going to read some scriptures. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. The Holy Spirit has always three functions. The Bible says that He leads you to salvation. 
If you've ever been in a position where you've gone and you've been in a service or someone's led you or prayed with you where you've accepted Jesus and prior to that, leading you up to that, all of a sudden you're in a position where you feel something happening on the inside. I was, I was at a Youth Alive rally when I was a teenager and someone said, if you want to accept Jesus, why don't you lift your heart, lift your hands. And all of a sudden in my heart, something was stirring, something was, was, was bubbling up and I couldn't, I couldn't control, I didn't know what it meant. My heart was starting to be stirred. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was leading me to salvation. So what He does is He convicts to lead you to salvation. Then when you accept Jesus in your heart, 2 Corinthians says that God puts His seal in you and me. And that's a guarantee of heaven. Then number three, He comes upon you for acts of service. Number one, He leads you. He walks with you. He walks with you to accept Him and bring you to a place of knowing that you need Him. Number two, He now comes in you and says, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm with you for the end of the day. To the end of age, the actual verse says. Number three, that He comes upon you for acts of service. I was in a service in Singapore when I was maybe like, I don't know, I just came back from the came back to the Lord. I would somewhere early, like 22, and I was in a service and I was leading worship with a band. We we're in Singapore and we were singing this song. It was about Jesus, and as we did, um, we were leading this this worship song of no significance really. Just God was moving, but we were lifting up the name of Jesus. And as we did it, some guy in the in the crowd screams beyond belief. And like ushers everywhere looking, thinking this dude's like demon possessed. This guy's screaming like you wouldn't believe. And I promise you, as the Lord is my witness, I was standing here leading worship. This guy was like on an angle down here. And I saw almost as if this guy who was like 10, 12 meters away from me, literally come almost as if he was in front of me. I I could have told you every detail about this guy. And And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And as he's screaming, myself and a bunch of us, we realized this guy wasn't like, this guy wasn't possessed. This guy was, this, there was something happening. And we're, lift, we're worshiping, and the, the chorus is literally just saying, just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And as we're worshiping that name above every other name, I see this guy's two eyes. One was blue, and one was pure white. There was nothing, it was just dead. It was a glass, it was like a glass eye. And I watched as if a painter. I watched as if a painter got a paintbrush and painted in the blue inside of his eyes. And I watched it like liquid just flow around and flow around and flow around and flow around and set. And the guy got 20-20 vision back like that in seconds. And he starts screaming, going, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And he starts bolting it around the auditorium in pitch black because it was like an auditorium. Like it's a church service, so like lights here, dark there. And it's just, this guy's running because he can see. And he's running, jumping over chairs, roller-poly everywhere. And it's just, this guy was having the time of his life. Going, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Because the Holy Spirit was ministering to that guy at that point in time. But one thing that taught me really powerfully was that when there's an anointing, it's because the presence of God comes and rests and sits on people and He starts to minister into the hearts of people. And I realized really quickly that God is always at, well, God is always moving. God is always at work. Worship opened up the hearts of everyone in that time. The word came forth and it never returns void, is what the Bible says. It did not return void. In fact, the manifestation of that word was that a guy got healed. They all worked together. Worship, the word, and the spirit of a living God. Romans 8 says this, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, says this, that these are the sons of God. My prayer this afternoon to you guys is that we would be led by the Spirit of a living God. That we would be led by a God that is moving, He is alive, He is powerful. Luke 4.1 says, Jesus, this is after He just literally gone through the wilderness, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. 
There's something powerful about that, and I'm going to end with you in, in today with you with this. The end of that verse actually says this, returning from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Many people think that Jesus was just in the wilderness to be tempted. He was led in the wilderness by the Spirit. He was actually led by the Spirit in the wilderness, is what the verse literally says. By the Spirit in the wilderness. And sometimes we don't realize that you could be in a wilderness of your own life, but you never know where God's leading you. You know, there's a great verse that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't say even though I pitch a camp, I I pitch a tent in the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say even though I go to BCF and buy an on-sale tent that I can't erect because my wife is telling me the instructions wrong. Valley of death. Like, it doesn't say any of that. Yes, that happened. I bought a tent and my wife's trying to read me the instructions and I couldn't do this. Anyway, it's beside the point. <laughs> but being led by the Spirit. So I want to encourage you tonight. The God we serve is asking us to abide in Him. You know, to abide in Him means to act in accordance with and agree. And sometimes we don't agree because we don't see it His way. But you've got to understand, He's the one that's meant to be doing the leading, not you, not me. And what we want this afternoon is that He would be doing the leading. And I believe that God is wanting to touch and move and minister and do what He wants to do. And I believe that there's a release that will come over people's lives as we worship in the next few minutes. Some of you are going through studies. Some of you are going in relationships. Some of you are in financial situations, good, bad, or ugly. Some of you are in positions where you're looking for, there's a health matter. Some of you are looking for breakthrough in areas. And I believe that when we bring it into the right order, things actually start to happen. So I want to encourage you. We're going to, when we stand, the, band, the worship team is going to lead us in some worship. And this afternoon, I encourage you as we worship, the God of miracles, a way maker, is wanting to invade our situation right now and make a way where sometimes we don't always feel like there is a way. The God, a way maker, is wanting to do things in a way that we don't always see it. Even though I don't see it, you're working. Even though I don't feel it, you're working. And I want to encourage us as we sing this right now, I encourage you to believe that God will start to shift and break the bedrock of your heart for His Word to come in and that His Spirit would start to speak into the circumstance and situation of your life to realign things, to bring, to, to bring a revelation into certain areas. God, I pray right now in this moment, the God of miracles, the God of freedom would start to move. God, that You are calling people into a deeper relationship with You, to abide in You, to rest in Your presence, to sit within Your presence. God, I pray right now that as we begin to worship, that that name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, will be lifted up, magnified and glorified. God, that You would take a center stage. Because this is how I fight my battle, by worship, by word, by your spirit. God, I pray, whatever the circumstances, God, you would break every chain, every bondage, loose it in the name of Jesus.